This is the 65th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me are my dear co-hosts, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. We also have our first international guest coming to our podcast this episode. Much welcome, Philip Klein, co-host of the Austrian Legacy Podcast in response. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, everybody, and welcome, Philip. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be here. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Decked app. In this episode, we will, as per usual, talk about Paper Legacy played in the past week, and then we will discuss Paper Legacy ins and outs with Philip from the Austrian perspective. How is it to produce a Legacy podcast in Austria? What's the Austrian meta game like? You know everything about that. But first up, we have to introduce this lovely guest to anyone who sort of for some reason haven't listened to this fantastic in response podcast. So, Philip, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about why? you started playing legacy when was this uh, what kind of decks do you play and what do you love about the format okay so basically you can also hear this in a, one of our first episodes actually so a little bit of an advertisement here but yeah i started playing legacy back in 2012 <laughs> kind of a funny story here i had i found my old cards back in the cellar in the basement and just just grabbed them and thought oh yeah how nice i mean why shouldn't i play magic again and then i went to the local game store got demolished by a standard deck totally back then in 2006 i was pretty much into standard and played even on uh, in Fl- uh, florence in the how's it called in the grand prix block constructed time spiral and yeah and i was really shocked by the power creep that that the six (laughs) years had and funny thing guy from our local community who's really a good friend now michael pilt has introduced me to legacy basically said hey you you have these these nice white and black cards maybe we can build something maybe like something like death in texas and i was totally intrigued and basically i sold my whole inventory for death in texas that's that's how i started wow is that still your poison, Death and Taxes? Is that still what you what you go with? Actually, no. Glad <laughs> to hear. I played it for four <laughs> years. I even I even tried to fully alter it. I'm about thirty per thirty cards in, but that's a project that's now on the yeah, on the back on the back side. At the moment, I'm I found my love for graveyard decks. I, I I love faithless looting. I love cabal therapy. One of my pet decks is Dredge, Chant Hogak. Oops, all spells at the moment. And I mean, yeah, it's not re- legacy related. But last week I bought my first pre-modern deck. And that's Black Red Zombie Spark. Zombie Infestation with Squeeze. Yeah, that's a super cool deck. So I'm pretty much into this. Into this shell. And I- I'm, I'm a sucker for everything Mardu related. If it's if it's non-blue, non-green, I- I'm in. I'm in. It's so cool. We found my nemesis, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it, it sounds a bit like you are like your podcast's version of Victor Bernhardt's <laughs> with the, like the history of death and taxes and then transitioning into graveyard combo. <laughs> and never playing blue. <laughs> well, sweet. Much welcome to the Madhouse. Time to talk about some, uh, some legacy play, hey? Uh, Robin, what was last week like for you? All right, so I've been playing a lot of Naya Depths lately. That's I, I almost say that that's my main deck by now. I've been running it the last six, seven events or something like that, and I'm doing pretty well with it. And last Thursday I went three and one. I started out losing in my match. It was the dreaded podcast mirror. So I will not get into <laughs> that too as much. Christopher can tell you all about the what glory. What happened there? 
What happened there, man? <laughs> Sounds terrible. That's what you win when you win the podcast mirror. You get to brag. You get the bragging rights. Nice. I'll get to that later. <laughs> and after that, I was paired against Reanimator with Nia Depth. I'm actually 4-0 against Reanimator by now. And I think it's uh, quite a good matchup when you have some really good cards in the main deck for game one unless they have like a nut draw then you are screwed of course but you can handle most things with crop rotation into on turn one and from there on it's just a reclaimer holding up a bug and uh, getting a clock going so two rather swift games against reanimator and then i was up against four color like stone blade with minsk and boo so white blue green red value pile so to say i managed to i had a hand that only made a merit lage it was protected but that was like my only plan and i succeeded to power through with that and then in game two we had this rather interesting situation where i had a merit lage on the board and he had a couple of blockers and played ruination to wipe all my lands from the board and i made merit lage in response and maybe like Pyroblasted, like one of the blockers, I think. <laughs> and then I tapped up and had the CG step in my hand so I could just put it on the battlefield and become unblockable. So it was 2 0 against Stoneblade. And uh, then I faced up against uh, our local game store's sort of end boss, the Hope, as we call him. <laughs> he was on Red Green Land, one of his strongest deck, I should say. And he took a game one rather swiftly with. A lot of constructs that overwhelmed me. And then in game two and game three, I managed to to get the upper hand by uh, removing the graveyard and uh, having Force of Vigor and that kind of cards for his uh, Ursa Saga and for explorations so that it didn't get so much ahead. And then eventually winning with uh, a Merit Leach standoff, which was uh, quite interesting. You were witnessing it. Christopher yeah that was pretty scary like he he had the combo in play but he didn't make merit and then Robin took his turn untapped and just played his own stage (laughs) both were just staring (laughs) at each other like at that point like maybe he should have made it main step but like against a crop rotation Caracas deck that's not really where you want to be either yeah Yeah, that was tense yeah and then he made the merit leech and I made the merit leech and we were staring at each other but I managed to to get the uh, random excavator going with the wasteland, so that sealed the deal, so to say. So that was uh, a nice night at the local game store, 3-1, I should say, with Nia Depths. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, my, my evening was pretty nice too. I tried the uh, no win con alert. Oh, right, right. I didn't play Acerac or Parasitic Strix or something like that. I just straight up played Uro and Edder Chandlers and they pretty much do the same thing as Acerac. You draw your deck, you put your deck back in the graveyard with Endurance and then you make 50 1-1 flyers with Edder Chandler with just a handful of forces endurance and another harpy and it's like you can't beat it like i'll i'll repeat this process every turn so it's like impossible to beat pretty much when you get it going so yeah first round i played against robin and game one was a game one that was super tense where i i was at one of the games i was at one <laughs> right i think <laughs> it was like game one where i was a little bit all in and i was like pyroblasting strixes and all that because i i made merit leech and just tried to punch through and yeah and the the cool thing like the build that i'm playing i think it's adapted towards both delver and Nia adepts because elder chandler can bounce creatures and you're also playing like two ba- uh, two uh, brazen borrowers so you're kind of like playing a bit defense uh, oriented 
like as well. At one time, I was at one life. And I was like, I guess this is a good opportunity to play Luren and just gain <laughs> gain all of that life back yeah. with Uro and Harpy. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what happened in both games. Like uh, in the second, in one of the games, I wasn't as pressured. But in one of the games, I think I won. I, I was at one at one point, and I was like, oh man, it's yeah, that scary. That place matchup to is be. interesting because I think that as an eye adept, I'm the aggressor. I need to punch through before you can assemble the combo. Because when you you have a better late game, I think. Maybe bearing I draw uh, Minskin Boo at turn four or something like that, and you don't have a force of will for it. Maybe I can overwhelm you. Otherwise, it's just fast merit and try to punch through, I think. Yeah, for sure. And then I played against the Rug Midrange, the Uro Dragon Raid Chandler style deck. And uh, this deck is kind of like Delver, but more grindy. And uh, this person didn't have Ledger Shredder, so uh, he opted to play uh, Tarmogoyfs instead. Which is really, you know, both that and DRCs as your primary way to win the game besides, you know, maybe a Merc Tide here and there and Uro. When you're playing against eight Strixes and you're bringing Tarmogoyfs, <laughs> it's not a fun place to be. So it, it was a it was a 2 0. It's pretty pretty rough. Like every it's it's not even a one for one. It's just every exchange is bad in that matchup. And then I start getting my Uro going and eventually, you know. I don't think I even I comboed one game, but one game I just went fair beats with one ones and stuff like that. And it's like very hard to stop. Then I picked up a loss against Oswald Painter, you know, the Fiddlebender Mono White Painter deck. Ooh, spicy. It's a super cool deck for sure. I did uh, I did keep a very shaky 6 in game 1 with two birds of paradise and one trap. On turn 7 I drew my second land. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't great, but you know, I still had free mana so I could play some shardless agents and have an awkward game plan, but I, I lost that game, and then in the second game, I, I think I just only drew action, but needed a like, combo payoff. Because the Oswald deck, it really snowballs. It plays things like the Esper Sentinel, it plays Falias to slow you down. And then just, you know, all of the nasty things like uh, Oswald being a s- sort of artifact, birthing pod right. style effect. And then you have like the Painters and Sagas, so they can put on a really quick clock. Not as quick as Affinity, but close to it, while also just threatening the combo at so many stages. So yeah, that was an 0-2 loss. I think he 4-0'd as well, right? No, no, no. He lost uh, in the last oh. round to... Oh, uh, bummer. To, I think, either like Jukal Haups or uh, Turbo Minskinbu. Like it, it was uh, a player who plays those two decks. So yeah, in the last round, I once again faced off against Espervile, and like I said last time, so this is, I'm not gonna you know be a broken record about it. I think it's a pretty hard matchup for Espervile because we're both into card advantage, but I can threaten a combo at any point, and after sideboarding in, you know, more gr- like two grists and a pernicious deed, can just resolve a pernicious deed and then just sit on it. For how long? Like, they have to have a board presence to gain their value. And my value is gained every time I play a creature. So it was a 2-0. So yeah, free one as well. Oh, nice. So what about you, Philip? Have you played any Paper Legacy lately? Yeah, for sure. We are also playing our weeklies each Friday. Unfortunately, I am a little bit of a losing streak at the moment. So basically, every every tournament I go one free. So this was also the time to go one free <laughs> for me. I played um, 
uh, red guy a list so it's basically that guy a with a red splash for fable of the mirror breaker and how are they called uh pyroblast yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's a pretty good one <laughs> and also for sure prismatic ending because prismatic ending is a lot better if you have access to three colors and it was a very a very nice list from Skulin from Bologna Four Seasons. I uh, pretty much copied it. And yeah, in the first game, I played against our local elf guy. And he just had the, the really, really great nuts in game one. Basically, I made a turn one uh, Stoneforge Mystic into Cauldra. Wow, that's a uh, fast start. So, so turn one um, Scrubland into Chromarks and then playing a, a Stoneforge Mystic and grabbing a Cauldra. I wasn't really sure because he plays sometimes so some kind of bruise, um, like Cobalt Storm and something like that. So I thought, yeah, Cauldra could be a safe choice here. Then he went to grab a Dryad Arbor with, with his Green Sun Zenith. I attacked with Cauldra, and then he went to turn to Craterhoof Behemoth and attacked me for 13. And I had a Swords to Plowshares in my hand. I thought about, okay, I can still win this if I held back with the Cauldra to, to block the Craterhoof Behemoth. And any shenanigans, I can sort. And then he just goes, well, second natural order into Archon <laughs> uh, on instant, and that was game. Right. I played around basically everything that he could have. Besides the second natural order. Second natural order into Archon. <laughs> Elves yeah. has come away. Be beautiful play, actually. Yeah, well, really beautiful play. I love this. Was that like the the combo elves or, or the new school uh, sort of control? Uh... You mean the Newton hang list with Fiend Artisan? Yeah, no, he doesn't like to play the, the Fiend Artisan. He doesn't think that's good. He always plays normal combo elves or his chaos elves with, with the lords and stuff. Elves, unfortunately, is a very bad matchup for Stoneblade decks. Mm -hmm. So this was a clean 0-2 for elves. The second game was against Blue-Red Delver, uh, which I thought were that I was very well equipped to handle it. I mean, I... This deck plays four swords, three prismatic ending, three Liliana of the Veil <laughs> main deck, and two sudden edicts. Wow. Also fourth wow. Dotty Void Walker to keep mm -hmm. the, the graveyard clear. It was a little bit of a back and forth. We expanded I expanded resources, uh, they expanded resources. And the typical Delver thing happens where they again where they get uh okay, play Merktide, hit you for eight, hit you for eight, bolt your face. <laughs> And <laughs> that's game over. The second the second game was all also pretty much the same. Just he was a little bit faster. And I couldn't get my better skull online as fast as I would like to. The third match was against Black Red Reanimator. Against a new a newish guy at our local game store. It was pretty... I was pretty scared. At first I was uh, not sure what he was playing because he had polluted Delta into Scrubland and, and I thought, ah, okay, is this the mirror match? <laughs> and then he went <laughs> on his second turn, Badlands, Faithless Looting, yeah, Dark Ritual and Exhume, so something like that. And okay, I was 0-1 and, and then I got him in the second game with the Surgical Extraction on turn 1, exiling his Grizzlebrand. And game three, he was on the play again. I was very nervous, and I just hoped that he... I, I didn't have a surgical extractor in my hand, and I just hoped that he wouldn't make a Grizzlebrand turn one. But he, he looted away his Grizzlebrand, so my turn one dotty Voidwalker in my hand did nothing. Oh. But yeah, I made a 
turn one Dark Confidant, which drew me into Surgical and that basically sealed the deal. Game four was against Death in Texas, also the 80 card version, because at a, at a local game store, there's a guy, if he plays Death in Texas, he plays 60 cards. <laughs> he doesn't want the, the Yorian. Maybe he doesn't like the shuffling. <laughs> I can see this. I was going to say, every day I'm not shuffling. It's not yeah. great. <laughs> Me I, neither. I played I played nationals with it. It's not <laughs> great. If it's double sleeve, then it's even even more extreme. I mean, I play yeah, yeah, my yeah. all my decks in, in KMC hard sleeves, double sleeve, and the decks are already as high as eighty cards. <laughs> yeah, I I do. I also play the KMC hard, so it's 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 a journey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every time you fetch, every time you fetch, it's a journey. <laughs> Where are the cards? Fuck. Uh, yeah, and for the fourth, for the fourth match, I played against yeah, Devon Tech. You're in Devon, Texas. Game one, I had a turn one dot Void Walker into turn two Dark Confident and turn three dot Void Walker. I was playing the tempo game really nice there, accommodated by discard spells and some swords here and there, and that was pretty easy. And I thought, wow, yeah, Devon Texas could be a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Well, no. That's, that's a spoiler here. <laughs> game two was very hard fought. And I resolved in this game my first fable of the Mirror Breaker. And actually, I misread the card because I didn't know that this was a creature. That it gets exiled and comes back into play and it has summoning sickness. And yeah, because I sequenced my spells wrong. And I thought, yeah, I could copy my Dotty Voidwalker, sack the new one to... To grab the exile swords to plowshares and sort his Yorian in response to the Karakras activation. But yeah, that didn't work. So he got all the value, he got he got to blink his solitude, his recruit of the guard, and that was the game. And game three, we had the same strategy. We tried to make a, a very, very fast Caldra, but his Caldra was a turn a turn faster than mine. So unfortunately, one free. Next week, I'm going to play Oops All Spells. Um, maybe I can l- end my losing streak there. Oops All Wins. That's how we get them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Root for you. Interesting to hear because like when I used to play Death and Taxes and at the time it was a primarily 60-card deck, This is I basically sort of kind of stopped playing Death and Taxes when Yorian became a thing. At the time, Dead Guy Ale was such a bad matchup because you'd be basically playing the mirror, but they were playing discard and card draw. And playing engineer. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess <laughs> things are more challenging because D&T has gotten quite a few resources since then. I mean, just Solitude, what a house that is. Solitude is a beating. The card yeah. is insane. And when it comes to beating Delver with, with a Mardu deck, you can just take the mother the mothership's advice and play those ley line binding <laughs> we'll never know what they're we never know what they're gonna do for legacy guys we called it <laughs> so proud of that Well played, everyone. And Philip, now we want to hear more about Paper Legacy in Austria. Tell us everything. What about you can... uh, Perhaps you can start with the uh, Legacy League that you have. How does it work? How long has it been running? What are you up to? I had this idea back in 2015 to basically invigorate the Legacy scene. At the moment, we at this time, we were 8 to 10 people 
who were regularly playing. And I, f I thought, yeah, I mean, I would like a leaderboard. I would like to know who the best players are. And I made a rough draft, told the, told the communities what do you think about it, and we started working on it. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew even more. And yeah, we are situated in Linz. We are not from Vienna, not from the biggest, uh, not from the biggest city, but actually we have the biggest legacy community in Austria. So we are now at, I think, for the last season we had 69 individual players throughout 36 weeklies. Nice. So our, our season lasts a whole year, and okay. we basically play four rounds each tournament, and we just add the points together and. The, the results with, with the opening match win and everything. You can see all the results on our website. Um, I think we can put it in show notes. And we had some some issues at first. We made we made a season O, a season O point five, and, <laughs> and until we get to the season one, because we made some kind of testing stages. We want we are basically an alpha and a beta stage. And I'm pretty. I really. I'm pretty. I really like how how it all turned out and yeah that that's basically it we we just play each week and have fun so is is it like the the league leaderboard is that like the final standing or is there some playoff tournament between the like highest seeded players or something like that no we have we have a, a extra tournament at the end of the year yeah. uh, at the end of the mm -hmm. season but we we have them separate. So every week, when a player comes to play uh, weekly, they are paying one euro into into the box, yeah, for the uh, for the whole price from the season. And we we give them to the top ten of the pl uh, of the leaderboard. Right. And additionally, the top five of the leaderboard get free access to the season's end tournament that we have. And so we try to advertise this. This tournament. Do you have any streaming setup for either the weeklies or or the end of the year kind of cool tournament? Kinda. We are working on a uh, on a streaming room in the game store at the moment. Uh, it's not finished yet. We are trying to start streaming again beginning of November, maybe mid of November. We already have our Twitch channel. We already did some streaming, but it's it's kind of hard because. If you if you don't have commentary or players talking with each other, it's just a little bit lame and nobody wants to watch this. And so yeah, we had to have an extra commentary room there. So maybe maybe I or one of my co-hosts uh, from uh, from my podcast will then commentate on each weekly for our bigger tournaments. We did it like that. We recorded the matches and one of us basically commentated over the recorded matches right oh right and then we put it on youtube yeah that is super cool too i think uh, i think that's underrated yeah actually. i agree yeah the only problem with that is it's not live it's about a week and different and so yeah that that's the only thing i don't like about this kind of strategy but then again like you have a couple of legacy dads in the room i mean Watching coverage live is something that never happens to <laughs> me. So I'm always a VOD guy anyway. So, you know, content over, let's say, the live experience. <laughs> yeah. I can see this. I can totally see this. Yeah. So what about like when it comes to how many years have the league been running? Uh, I think season one started in 2016. All right. So we are now in season eight. We started. Uh, we always start with beginning of school in September, and we finish the season on the beginning of the summer vacation, 
in July. So have you have you had many different like winners or is it like always the same people or how is that? Um, it's pretty clear who the best players are. There are just about five to six really, really strong people that, that are always going 4-0 or, or three and one and just winning basically everything. Each each local community has, yeah. We have a different champion almost each year, I think. Only one guy managed to win back to back. Unfortunately oh, cool. he doesn't play anymore because yeah, family stuff and building a house and life happens. So I would root for him to to come back, but he was probably the best player in our group, definitely. I think it's super cool, you know, back to back, and a and a league is uh, you know it's a, a, grind. a full year almost. Yeah, it's no, but it's like such consistency. Yeah. I think that's really crazy. Yeah, that's totally crazy. I mean, if we go over the the if we go back to season seven, we have the winner. He was it was Markus Schmidhuber. He has an astonishing eight point. 62 median points per weekly yeah that is uh, nasty mm. yeah Al- almost three uh almost three and one every time he has so many yeah. uh 4-0s also and i think uh, i'm not sure now he has a 63 win percentage throughout the whole season yeah that's oh, crazy man. that's just super insane that's oh, bannable that's... <laughs> yeah for sure I mean, <laughs> he played backward reanimate them red Delva. okay that's bannable yeah 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 <laughs> So I mean, uh, speaking of decks, like, is there uh, is there an Austrian meta or a Lint meta, perhaps that one can uh, sort of point to? Until this season, we were very we were little bit of Delva light actually. People love love combo. People love combo really really well and love their control decks. So you see a lot of four color Minskin Boo, four color Strifeu Pile. Not so much bank control actually, but some check pile, the, the greenless version. Also also mid-range is sometimes there, but most of the time it's Aluren, it's Food Chain. It's Beautiful. Yeah, Aluren and Food Chain are probably one of the strongest decks in, in our metas. And then we have for sure Reanimator or Elves also, also, and ANT is also a very strong contender. And sometimes we also have a guy who plays Cephalid Breakfast, and he does really, really well with this deck. I find that in Cephalid Breakfast players, there's sort of if you pick up that deck, you sort of you br- you know it really yeah, well. You stay with it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like all all data points towards you know Cephalid Breakfast being one of the more consistent, high placing like win percentage decks and i think it's because if you keep on playing the deck you really have to love it (laughs) i think that has something to do with it. it's kind of true for every deck that people play you know they get consistent with it but there's something special about the cephalid players they just really know the interactions better than their opponents and now they got yorion as well so they can play a value plan and be like a turn two combo deck if they need to it's crazy all right so um, let's talk a little bit more about your community and um, content work. Uh, I mean, you had in response going for some time now. So why did you start the podcast, and how has the response been to in response? Yeah, basically, it was a drunk idea. <laughs> so, so we were at a party at the at a friend's house. It was. Uh, his birthday, he has his birthday in, in January, and I thought, hey, we're talking all the time about magic. Why, why don't we are making a podcast? And that uh, my other two co-hosts were like, hmm, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it all started. Then, and, and the response has been, yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, how many uh, listeners you uh, you have, but I'm 
pretty satisfied. I think it's very great. At first we weren't sure if we if we would do it in German or in English, but I'm pretty happy that we did it in English because about 60 percent of our listeners are from the US, which is astonishing actually. Wow, that's a lot. And so yeah, um, at the moment we aren't we're in a little bit of a hi hiatus because one of our co-hosts, Daniel, is in the is in the US on a vacation. He celebrates his PhD. Ooh, good for him. Yeah, and also he's the editor of our podcast. And we just said, mm, okay, we just pause, we take a little break and come back end of October, being all fresh and nice. So how, how important do you think that the podcast has been when it comes to like building the community in Linz and like getting, uh, well, you know, the community together? Actually, not that important. I, I don't know if we have, we have some listeners in Linz, but there aren't really that many. So... Even some of our local guys say, "Nah, I don't. Uh, I don't listen to your podcast." <laughs> oh man! Yeah, it's, I'm, it's... At, I'm at least happy that you're doing it in English, because like, I I tune into as many podcasts as I as I can, and you know, yeah, me too. Having having you know English as uh, as the language is good because uh, meine Deutsche <laughs> is the checklist. <laughs> it's uh, it's terrible. Way. It's not great. But yeah, I, I really like the the podcast. It's it's kind of like the it has a relaxed and nice feeling about it. Uh, I I enjoy tuning into it. And it's also funny like the name in response. In 2015, I actually had a small legacy team that we called in response and we have this really nasty ugly t-shirts that i made <laughs> that has in response in them so when i saw a pod you know with that name i was like it was meant to be it's beautiful i need to listen to this thank you very much <laughs> yeah i think that uh, like description that you had for how the podcast came to be is is very describing of how it feels to listen to it it, it is is really this we're, we're a couple of guys we want to talk about the uh, legacy and that is the really like the relaxed familiar feeling that you get when you listen to it i like it a lot yeah i mean i'm the i'm the more casual guy and then there's more the, the competitive style guy with, with his ant website and all of this stuff i think we are we're a great team and we we're good together like like you guys i mean it's also a very nice chemistry here so yeah thank you and we need to have that uh, team trios match the podcast oh match oh my god yes. Ooh, the podcast. yes 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 <laughs> we really do this is us challenging you when you're uh, free to one <laughs> so we can trash trash talk and, uh, and the back talk is hard now but i that would be super fun if we ever if we're ever at that an advantage so fun <laughs> yeah yeah also because like it's funny because the everyday eternal guys are also three and the Canadian Threshold they're also three like every legacy podcast it's basically a trio every everywhere so if, if someone out there has a lot of money you can <laughs> feel free to sponsor us to all fly to I don't know Berlin or New York or wherever <laughs> and just have this showdown of podcast team uh, trios so cool. perfect that sounds, that sounds really like a nice idea I would be totally down for that yeah because answering your other question as well about 40% of our listeners is in the US uh, and 35% in Sweden. So a, a big bulk is in Sweden and the US. But the US is more. So again, uh, Americans, you have a lot of money. Feel free <laughs> to, to, to get this one going. We'll be, we'll be compliant and showing up. Yeah, we will probably run over by like Bob Wang and <laughs> that crew. <laughs> you think? <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm paired against uh, Bryant Cook, I'm just going to shake his hand and sign the slip before playing. 
it's uh, I know how that story ends. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of funny. Like uh, like Victor said, like 35% of our listeners uh, live in Sweden. And I think that's because Sweden really loves old formats, like old school vintage legacy yeah. and pre-modern is really big here. And I, I, I think that has something to do with it. Like the national site for Magic the Gathering has this uh, award that they hand out every year. And this year, like all of the winners was somewhat legacy adjacent and i think that was pretty cool like for content creator like for uh, uh, just being a community good community person and then like the hottest startup which was a store that has launched a, a large series uh, with legacy events and stuff and it's crazy like i think legacy is uh, not really a dead format no. uh, maybe just in wizard's <laughs> eyes but we won't yeah, go. Sure we not. won't go into that again. <laughs> I'm the I'm the one bringing it up all the time. I need to I need to uh, put a post post it here. Like don't. I, I can totally see this. I I'm usually the one who brings it always up. <laughs> More detailed. Austria is in the top ten of our listenership, but you unfortunately just slip in just under the one percent of our listenership uh, mark. So bringing you in here can probably help up our numbers for Austria. Now I. I have to take a look about Sweden. <laughs> it just takes a moment. But Christopher, if you bring up Wizards again, I think we have to Leila and bind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you get it oh, off? Stop how it. do you get it off the stop table? Stop it! <laughs> stop it! Stop it! So, so Sweden is actually on six percent of our of our listenership, mm. which is pretty nice. high. Yeah, That's we're great. We're I a pretty it. small. We're a pretty small country, but we have some legacy fanatics. Well, all this talk about different countries brings us to the next question I have for you, Philip. What are your hopes for a legacy in Europe at the moment? Because there are some really exciting things going on, eh? Yeah, because with the European Legacy Masters, we are having a really, really great tournament in the future. And I hope it will be a blast. Each, uh, each country gets four slots for this year. Next year is a little bit different. But we will tell you everything on the stream on the 3rd of December, where it all takes place at the Four Seasons in Bologna. And I'm not sure, has Sweden already got their represent uh the players no we haven't we will be uh as yeah the swedish uh, the swedish uh, representatives will be uh, competing for those spots at the nationals uh, on the 5th november on the 5th of november okay that sounds great is this is this event streamed probably not no it, it was it was last year so I, was it yeah yeah it was like you were you were kind of down at the table so maybe you didn't see the stream setup <laughs> oh my God. but uh but you know it was gonna leave it me. was up there and and this just in three out of three co-hosts won't make it to the nationals this just in yeah, no so why for me i i i got the confirmation today so it's uh you know it's it happens and it's it's gonna there's gonna be so much more legacy to be had in the future so yeah, now we can just backseat from home and say how we would have made it to Bologna and the the big the main stage. Yeah, and for me and Robin, it's like this year the nationals are because uh, it happens on the same sort of public holiday weekend uh, every year, and this year specifically for just calendar reasons, this weekend holiday coincides with the autumn leave from school. 
Okay. And since it coincides with autumn leave for school, we're basically hanging with our kids. So it's sort of it became this adult decision of like, no, not this year. We'll be back. A very mature decision. But uh, I think I think there's kind of like an upswing when it comes to you know legacy in Europe. We had the tier one con, and now we have this series, and I think it's kind of like uh, the legacy is starting to breathe after after the pandemic uh, lockdowns and stuff like that. Do you know any other events or is this the, the one you have your eyes on? Um, I think we are uh, battling out the last slot for Austria on the 29th of October. And uh, we are not sure actually how we will do the stream and if there will be a stream, but we, we want to do some kind of streaming there. Unfortunately, I don't know anything uh, i had just my eyes on the elm and the four seasons autumn i mean sort of uh, also about a year ago we were all super hyped to to go to Linz in february of 2022 oh, because we were yeah. supposed <laughs> to have this mega back to magic event everyone's like yeah mega big legacy everything's happening let's go and they're like omicron <laughs> let's not go <laughs> let's get fucked so are there any sort of um, blueprint sketches for that event to sort of re-emerge somehow or is it just on the in the drawer for now actually there are blueprints so so we are the first guys i i tell anything about this there are blueprints but we will do it on a much much uh, smaller scale unfortunately Mm, because it's kind of hard to get a location yeah a location that is cheap enough for us that that's basically the whole problem because the thing is the last back to magic didn't work out because of political changes and suddenly we had to pay for the location instead of hey we get everything free and this three months before we wanted to uh, before the event and if it goes from zero to three thousand it's just not feasible it's super real yeah like i i totally get it and i think that's one of the things that you might not really think about as just uh, an attendee to these events like uh, logistically and cost wise there are so many extra costs that you never think about and going from zero to like free G's, that's big. Yeah. yeah, it's it's extreme. I mean, we thought about having 150, 160 players there. And if you think about it, if everyone pays 50 euros, then there isn't really much wiggling room there. No, like the no. like the payout, it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, five boosters <laughs> for first place. But like, uh, yeah, it's for, I guess for, for some people, you know, it's, it's about playing at these events. But I know it's going to rough some feathers the wrong way, you know, if uh, the price support isn't there. And it kind of sucks, really, because it's, it's about meeting people and playing magic. You, you have, have you seen the uproar from the Legacy Pit? Yeah, I, I looked at it. I mean, yeah. in a That's way, sort of, yeah, they could have sort of, if they just explained clearly the, the way they were sort of designing the price structure, I think it wouldn't have been a problem. In the end, as many have pointed out, sort of no one got less than they were promised. But I also think that it's, it points to that. So if you want to organize an event, either you have to organize... I mean, you have to be a store owner. You have to organize together with a store owner because there's space there. Or you have to rent a place. And renting a place, as we've said, is expensive. But also, like, if you have a store to have the tournaments there, I mean, the store has a business model of running, you know, events. And, you know, it's reasonable that they take a cut because 
they are renting the space. Uh, the space isn't for free just because it happens to be a store there. And I think, as Christopher said, like a lot of sort of, I mean, Magic players specifically are very sort of EV heavy. Like everything needs yeah. to be valued all the time. And like that's why I play Aluren, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like be EV, like go ahead, but just you have to consider that sort of everything costs. Like people, I paid 50 euro entrance. How can the payout be this bad? Where do they go with the money? Well, I mean, you want to pay judges that work like 14 hour days. They need to eat something and sort of get sort of some kind of value of, you know, doing 14 hours of work with ungrateful people. Like, where are my parents? Where is this? My opponent is ugly. And the venue and the electricity and sort of, I mean, the overheads are real. And, And sort of getting a big space that people fit, put up tables, all of this, like... You can't just magically make them appear for your EV to be satisfied. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneak in some uh, like a, a one sentence toxicity here to that that value thing. Sit down, John. You're o free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like if if you if you add in like the traveling costs and like you're staying at the hotel and all of that, I mean, there's no value to be gained anyway playing in a tournament like that yes yeah. it's no, just the losing exactly. proposition you do it for fun the real value is the friends we meet there actually yeah like going going to a gp like a legacy gp in in bologna in 2019 it's not like uh, like the people that i went with or me was like yeah we're gonna make the bank <laughs> like we're gonna, gonna be make rich. bank and just <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a limo to the <laughs> airport after this event no like you're, you're you're there to eat salami play legacy and have some gelato like it's uh, have a good time and then like if you do well maybe you get come home with like a trophy or like a memorabilia card that you won with your like uh, store credit that you could buy something funny like a old school card or something like that that you can remember that you want so that that's the kind of price that's a reasonable you're forgetting the most important thing yeah. bragging rights exactly oh yeah oh yeah, yeah i mean cash comes and goes but bragging rights they are for fucking ever <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true so philip any final thoughts on um you know legacy in austria or podcasting in europe or or anything before we uh, close the shop for today it's pretty easy if you're in the near so munich or vienna just and want to hit some sweet spots for legacy play just come to linz join us every friday on 20 p.m maybe in the in the future we do a little bit sooner but yeah four rounds of really nice paper legacy well that is all we have for this week if you want to check out in response you will find them in a favorite podcast machine of yours and also you can get some info about them in the show notes if you want to talk more to the co-hosts of our podcast you can find us on our discord server you can find the link also in the episode description and in addition to discord you can hit us up on twitter at sthlm legacy we are also present personally on some social media philip where can our listeners find you? So Okay, this will be a little bit long now. If you want to reach out to me, it's on Twitter, at FinnickMTG, P-H-I-N-E-K-M-T-G. And you can also find the Austrian Legacy League on Twitter. It's at Austrian underscore Legacy for meta shares and information. And also our podcast at Response underscore Legacy, everything on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter as well at jacka underscore boo and you'll find me there as well at monolith mtg 
and me you will find under Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 65th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson, and and Christopher Wikström. Special thanks to Philip Klein all the way from Austria. Warm thanks, listeners, for your attention all the way to the end. The Great Fairness has written their music as always. You can find more of their work on Spotify. And until our next episode, now is as good a time as any to plan your next trip to Northern Italy.